Well, welcome everybody. May the Holy Spirit truly encounter you and bless you as you listen along with us today. We are continuing our adventure through the book of Exodus and we're coming to the end of our series over these next couple of weeks. But today we pick up that journey at a very precarious point. Literally, the future of this covenant, this special relationship between God and his people is hanging in the balance. Why? Well, quite simply, the Israelites, his people, they've messed up. And this has gone beyond the grumblings and complaining that we've often seen on this journey from slavery to freedom. Now, this time they have rebelled through gross idolatry. They have taken the things that God has given them and made them the object of their worship rather than God himself. By making and worshipping a golden calf, can you believe that? Shaped out of the bounty that God had allowed them to gather from the Egyptians when he powerfully delivered them from Egypt, they have drawn as a result of this upon themselves the judgment of God. And I don't know about you, but it's a sobering thing to reflect on this, isn't it? Such gross sin, such betrayal, such abuse of the blessings that God had given deserved God breaking out against this rebellious people and abandoning them to their own wicked choices. But you know, even here, we see the graciousness and the love of God. We see the overwhelming grace and mercy that he has not to destroy Israel, but to fulfill his promises, to give them their own land in spite of all that they've done. A land that is flowing with milk and honey, not some rubbish place, but a, a, a good place. And he's also promised that he'll still drive out of that land their enemies. But here's the rub. He wouldn't go with them. He would just send an angel to get the job get the job done. Why is that? Well, because they were such a stiff-necked, so it says people, stubborn. In other words, if he went with them, he actually might destroy them on the way because of his holiness and his goodness breaking out against them. Now, this might sound truly disturbing to us, but you know, even in this, there is God's grace. He's protecting them. And it also allows, as we shall see, as Ginny comes to read to us in a moment, one of the most amazing dialogues between God and a man ever recorded. And through that, to bring about the restoration of this special relationship between God and his people. Before Ginny reads, I want to leave you with a question. If you could ask God for anything and know that God would grant you that request, what would you ask him? Let's turn to read Exodus 33, verses 7 to 23, and Ginny's going to do that for us now. Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 to 23. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. 
As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you have found favour with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Well, isn't this such an incredible passage? The amazing nature of this relationship between Moses and God. What a friendship they have. What boldness that produces. What an overwhelming encounter that brings of the revelation of who God is and his goodness and how that overflows to bless a whole nation. Don't you want that? Don't you want a relationship like that with God? And, and actually, I asked you a question. If you could ask God for anything, what would it be? How did you answer that? What did you say? Moses, in the light of Israel's rebellion, had been offered by the Lord the opportunity to replace Israel and have his own nation. Just think about that. God said that he would work out his purposes through him. And of course, he kept the added bonus of not having to be lumbered with this rebellious bunch who had caused him so much trouble as they'd been coming out of Egypt. And yet Moses pleaded with God for Israel. He called out to God to turn from his anger and relent on his punishment. And you know what? This is the most amazing thing God did. Now, we can read this and think, oh, you know, Moses is really noble here and God's a little bit kind of you know, he, he's, he's causing problems, isn't he? But 
No, 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 no. This is, this is showing us that God's delight is to dwell with us and for us to be in this relationship with him that even gets us to work out the destinies of nations. What's even more incredible when you actually hear what Moses does is that when he's offered all the promises of land, all the promises of blessing and renown that God says will come to him, what does he say? Moses says, I want you, Lord. I want your presence. Not presence T-S, but presence C-E. I don't just want an angel. An angel sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I don't just want your promises about land and blessing, as great as that sounds. I want you. And I don't just want you for me. I want you for Israel too. If you don't go with us, don't send us on our way because we're utterly lost without you. Do you know, in credit to Israel, when they also hear that God would only send an angel, they're also cut to the heart by these distressing words. They're devastated. In response, they throw off all their ornaments, a, a sign of humbling themselves before the Lord. They're, they're kind of repenting and saying, God, we're, we're, we're wanting you. And they too know that without the Lord with them, they have nothing. What about us? What about us? What do we think about that? What do we understand about this? I want to say to you, it's, ex it's exactly the same. We are a people of his presence. What this passage teaches us is that there is absolutely no substitute for the presence of God. We can have everything that this world has to offer. We can even have all the outward signs of God's blessing and promises. But unless we have and know him, we have absolutely nothing. It's, it's just as though we've got the world, but absolutely nothing at all, really. When God is with us and we enjoy that presence on a daily basis, it ruins us for anything less. You see, nothing comes close, even though so often we become deceived and frequently let other things fill our gaze and our desires above him. I know I'm guilty of that. I know that there are times when I'm more preoccupied with the stuff that, that God has made and the things that are happening in my life than I am with him. But do you know what? What I still recognize is that nothing comes close to him. And here's another wonder. This is a passage where Moses and, and we also read about Joshua, his assistant, and also the people of Israel themselves, they get to encounter signs of God's manifest presence. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Pillars of cloud, fresh revelations of God's name, the Lord, Yahweh, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. It's a great revelation of who God is. God's glory being revealed as his supreme goodness. Moses being placed on a rock and protected by God's hand just to get a glimpse of God's passing glory and radiance. The afterglow, if you like. It's quite amazing. But listen, we get all this and more in Christ. When we put our hand in his hand, 
When we turn from sin and turn to Christ at the cross, we are placed on Christ the rock. We are held in his hand. We get to know and inherit all the names of God and his goodness in even greater measure than Moses got on that amazing day. Isn't that incredible? It may not be smoke and fire, but who knows? But the reality of his presence and goodness still mark us out. They define us as his precious people. And we go a different dimension because as sons and daughters, we get to walk in his goodness and power, marked by his eternal presence with us in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, isn't that incredible? As wonderful as this was for Moses, we get to step into it and more. The gospel writer John wrote in John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Literally, he pitched his tent amongst us, tabernacled amongst us, and we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I'm utterly convinced that John had this passage in mind or the book of Exodus in mind when he wrote those words. And he's saying, Do you know what? Moses had glory, but we've got the glory of the son. And we have got grace and truth from the one who is gracious to whom he will be gracious and merciful to whom he will be merciful. And you know what? It's in his presence that we get defined as his people. You know, there's, there's, there's many good peoples on this planet. There are many people doing amazing things, but it's only the presence of the living God that actually marks us and makes us his people. As Moses so discerningly writes, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And of course, the answer is nothing but your presence with us, Lord. Church, we've got to understand this. We're not just to look good or even for that matter, just to do good. We are to be filled with his goodness, which, of course, is his glory and his presence with us. In Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have encounter with the living God that invites us into such intimacy and relationship that it can shape the destiny of people's lives and indeed the course of nations. That's incredible. Do you believe that? That our intimacy and relationship, his presence with us gets us into that place that we shape lives and nations? In 2018, I sat in the building of a Viva Miento church in Bogota, a church that has been saturated in the presence of God for 30 years and keeps making space for the Holy Spirit. And in this incredible atmosphere of revival, of the Spirit just at work, I just cried out to God. I cried out for him. And, you know, in that moment, I realized I wanted him nothing more or nothing less. And I laid it all down. And it was from that place that the Holy Spirit came upon me 
and indeed many others that were there, but it was just as though I was meeting with God on my own. That's how it felt. And I felt him say this to me. I'm filling you with my spirit, with my presence, that you may blow on the coals of my people, that together you will light fires of revival in your nation. <laughs> Gosh. I also realized again in that moment that living in and from the presence of God Almighty is the most important thing to me. And what I realize is this, I cannot go back to, to just doing church, if you like working programs or just distilling the best knowledge and strategy and wisdom learned over the years from others. Look, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. It can be helpful. But I can't just settle for that. I can't just settle for what appears to be on the outside, healthy numbers, whatever that means, seemingly healthy finance and ministries that for the most part make the church look successful, whatever that means. To be honest, what does that really mean right now in the middle of a global pandemic? You see, in a moment, a virus has totally shown up the reality of what is in the hearts of God's people and where they stand before him. And do you know what it's done? It sifted that which is hollow from that which is full of him. That's what it's done. But do you know, I'm still desperate for him and I'm still desperate for his presence. I want him. How about you? Jesus taught, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is ultimately a hunger and thirst for him, who is the source of all righteousness and goodness. And, you know, the Bible promises that as we draw near to him, this is the incredible thing. This is what Moses did. As we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Wow, that's a promise. That's an amazing thing. He wants to encounter you, to presence himself with you. He wants to utterly shape the direction and destiny of your life, but indeed those that you get to do life with all around you. Ask him to meet with you right now, even right now. Look, don't get hung up on whether there's fire and smoke or overwhelming manifestations of his presence. Do you know, sometimes that happens, it really does. And in fact, there's more of that, I'm sure, than we understand and believe. But just let him now be free to meet with you. I know there are those moments where it's almost like he draws back the curtains on his reality and his goodness. And they are moments of great encounter, great blessing and transformation. They, they, they shape us for next steps and keep us strong when the going gets tough. And I believe this is one of those times. This is a tough time, but it's also a time for encounter again. And God is wanting even now to meet with us how we need that. I, I just want to take a moment before I move on. I just want to pray for the Holy Spirit to meet with you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now. Holy Spirit, I, I pray as we draw near, as we say, Lord, we want you. Holy Spirit, we want you as our best friend, as our, 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 our 
the one who just releases anointing and breakthrough, the one who is our counselor and comforter, the one who is, who is all that Jesus was to his disciples then. We say now, meet with us, encounter us. We pray for you to presence yourself again in us. Just take some moments right now just to receive him. But you know, I believe this is more than just moments. It's a lifestyle. How do we live in that place of glory? Well, I could probably take a whole series on this, but some things from this passage that I just want to encourage us with as we come into land. First thing is this, stay in the tent. Moses took a tent and pitched it outside the camp. And it was called the tent of meeting. And it was a place of great encounter with God on a daily basis. The thing about a tent is that actually it comes with you. Where you go, you take it with you. It goes and you pitch it where you want it to be. And you know, this is an amazing reminder that every day in Christ, we have access to the presence of God. We can pitch our tent. We can, if you like, encounter him. We can have that tent of meeting wherever we are and we can meet with him. Do you know, I, I don't know where you are right now, but right there, pitch the tent. I know places can have significance for us. And often they become places where we know special encounters. I know many, many people have struggled not being in a building, not being in a place where we would normally come and encounter God because somehow that's become a special place for them. I get that. But you know, God doesn't ultimately dwell in buildings. He lives in and with his people. So take your tent. Wherever you are, take it with you. Meet with God in the ordinary and the extraordinary, in the mundane and the special. I love what it says about Joshua in this passage. Did you get that? He did not leave the tent. <laughs> wow. You know, the Holy Spirit is on our case about going deeper in prayer right now. We're just about, aren't we, to start the prayer course. And, you know, that's, that's not just about a program. That's about the presence. It's a prime place where we get to encounter the intimacy and power of the presence of God. We get to pitch our tent every day. And, you know, it's in that place, that place of rest in his presence, that faith is stirred that we can leap into our day with confidence. I've got to be honest with you, there are many days, at the moment it seems just a little bit like Groundhog Day, doesn't it? You know, that every day rolls into the next, just the same. And there are times when you forget to just start that day, start in that place of rest, and, and we, we leap into it. And, and I think we're the poorer for it. You see, unshakable faith comes when you know his presence better than you know your struggles. Let me say that again. Unshakable faith comes when you know his presence better than you know your struggles. The unshakable faith comes in that place of meeting God, the tent of meeting. So pitch a tent, 
Take it with you. Make it your non-negotiable. And by the way, if you haven't already, let's make sure you're part of the prayer course. You sign up with it or get involved with your group. Whatever it takes, let's just do that. Secondly, pray dangerous prayers. Moses prays some massive prayers in this passage and they are far from safe little homily prayers. They are mighty dangerous for him and the people around him. Verse 13, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Wow, gosh, that's a big thing. Verse 18, show me your glory. Wow, do we understand what that kind of prayer is? I so love it that our Heavenly Father is interested in every detail, the big and the small, the everyday stuff, as well as the stuff that goes beyond that. And we do get to ask for the ordinary stuff as well. That's what the Lord's Prayer teaches us. Give us this day our daily bread. But, you know, we also get to pray powerful prayers that transform people and nations for his glory. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What about some other dangerous prayers that you might like to pray this week? How about this one? Lord, make me like Jesus. Lord, here I am. Send me. Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. Lord, show miracles, signs and wonders in our community. Lord, let cancer be healed. We say right now, Lord Jesus, we, 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 we don't want to settle just for this being there. We know ultimately it won't be. Lord, bring healing into those who are broken with sickness and, 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 and all sorts of ailments right now. Lord, send revival and start it in me. Let it be me that knows that encounter with you, that I can encounter others with your glory. And thirdly and finally, it comes out of that really about praying dangerous prayers. prayers. But thirdly, plead for our nation or the nation that you belong to or both. You see, Moses couldn't help but call out to God for Israel. Even after all their sin and all their rebellion, he, he couldn't not stay with his people. God's presence is never just for us. It's so his glory can be seen all around. Or as the scriptures tell us, that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of his glory. I want to encourage us as we come into land right now, let's keep crying out for our nation, not just as a, a dutiful thing that we do, but with passion, Lord, heal our land. Save the lost, Lord Jesus. God, bring unity and transformation for your glory. Lord, raise up a new generation that will bring light into the darkness. God, have mercy upon the UK. Lord, let your revival fires burn again. And let our nation come alive for your glory. Let us blow again on the coals of those that are, are almost asleep. But wake them up, Lord. 
and let them light fires. That's our prayer. Let's keep praying for this virus to go. Look, we know, Lord, you've got a purpose even in this, not that you're the author of all the bad things that we see. We, we know that you are bigger than these things and that you work even in spite of those things. But Lord, we pray to let this virus go. Lord Jesus, we want to pray for our nation that you would bring healing. Just want to encourage, as we literally wind up now, I want to encourage you to stand. I want to pray. Maybe there are some of you looking in right now and, and you know, you know that you're far away from what I've just been talking about, from this Jesus, from the presence of God. You recognize that you're far away. But you know what? Right now, the Holy Spirit is inviting you to come near. And I just want to encourage you to, to humble yourself before him and say, Lord, I, I want you. I want you before everything else. Nothing else will satisfy. I want you. And if you invite Jesus to come and be the one, he'll change everything in your world. Lord, I want to pray that we'd be a church of encounter again. Lord, we might be in our homes right now, majoritively, but we pray that you would encounter us. Let those places be tents of meeting. Lord, will you bring forgiveness and restoration into our hearts so that we might release that into the lives of those around us? And we cry out to you again, send revival. Send revival. Amen. Thank you so much for listening.